Hello, friends. This is Kirk Henderson. Welcome to Mavs Moneyball After Dark. Tonight, I am joined by our wonderful staff writer, Lauren Dunn. Lauren, how are you tonight? I am doing fantastic. Uh, and you and I kind of talked about it. it's post-tax deadline, so I'm finally taking a breath, finally relaxing. Uh, and it was a good weekend. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for this week, excited for the season to get started. Uh, and, yeah, ready, just, just ready to hit the ground running. I'm like really, really excited for the season. I was my wife. I, I, wow. I, bought, I bought a calendar to like put up like where like I bought this like digital calendar that that helps me and my wife like organize our lives. And one of the things I plugged mm -hmm. into it was all the Mavs games. And I was looking yeah. at the schedule and it's so pretty because the Mavericks play Thursday, then they play Saturday, then they don't play until Tuesday. And you were watching yeah. and grinding out all the games last year. We were just doing back to backs like every third game. And the mm -hmm. fact that we just that there's only twelve is going to make this season. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I love watching basketball, but it becomes a bit like you get like through like game thirty, and it's like, oh no, there's still fifty more games to go. And and this is just going to be space nice. And I feel I feel really just I, I'm I'm ready for the basketball to like wash over me and enjoy it. And there's not, you know, obviously there's still a pandemic going on, but where I lived before, I wasn't able to do anything. So I'm just, I'm really looking forward to this. Um, but you, you know, despite the fact that you're, you were very busy in your personal life, you <laughs> turned in on, on like Sunday night, a really delightful look at, at the, the trade, you know, potential, let's just call them situations that the Mavericks mm -hmm. should keep an eye on. And you and I missed each other last night. We were going to try to record last night and 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 figure out a podcast, but we weren't able to to hook up, and it really worked out in our favor because today was kind of extension day in the NBA, where all sorts of deals came and went, and and I don't know. I, I, so before we kind of get into your article, were there any that outright surprised you, like both good or bad, or like you know ones that didn't happen at all? Yeah, I to be honest with you, I actually think the Kevin Herter deal was um, good value. I think as time goes on, like for what he got, and especially if he continues to be a starter and, and after his performance in the postseason last year, I think that that's really going to end up being a good value contract for them. And they're, I mean, obviously they're they're going to need that with the Trey Young, uh, John Collins, all these guys that are are getting paid. Uh, they're gonna need that, so I, I did like that one. I'm really uh, mad I at also, that one. Uh, it was yeah, it was good. Ugh. It was good. It was a good one. Yeah, I also the Jaron Jackson Jr. one has been interesting because it's like, you know, where do you kind of stand on that one? Could that one? I personally haven't been able to read all of the, or, or I guess read up on like the little details of what the protections are long term mm -hmm. from any further injury. But I did read that they do exist in 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 the fine print of that contract so i'll be fascinated to kind of see what that is maybe it's already out there maybe i've missed it but i actually do think that one as well in the long term could end up being a good value contract um it's it's hard because some of these guys that have had so many injuries so early on it's, it's mm -hmm. difficult to kind of be like well what do you do with that so i hope that they do have enough protections in there for that reason but um yeah, I don't know. Some of these guys that are going to be getting paid, obviously they're not eligible to be making like 30, 40 like million dollars, but if their production is not too far off because they're just that skilled, 
then and I, I do think with Jaron Jackson Jr., there's a chance that that could be while he's still in this next upcoming contract. So uh, personally, I did like that one, but again, that's one that's really risky and that could change. So I don't know. I guess we'll see. Well, I made the joke in our Slack that one of the wonderful, uh, hilarious side effects of the Mavericks being terrible at drafting is they just haven't had this problem very often. You know, like the closest thing we have is is the the Jalen Brunson deal, which it it doesn't benefit him to sign a deal now. Like he should realistically mm-hmm. wait. But first round draft picks are such a different deal where it's set up for you to figure something out. And I, I like that deal for, for uh, both Jackson and for the Grizzlies, because who else are they going to spend the money on is the real thing. Right. Like the Grizzlies owner over the last several years, like their primary owner has become one of the wealthiest men in the world. Like he has no problem paying this stuff. And, 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 you know, I've been doing this long enough to where I think like the greatest trick that NBA owners have ever pulled is convincing us that we should care about their money. And, and <sighs> you know, we really shouldn't a, and then secondarily the, the, this is why you draft. Well, you want to put right. yourself in the position to be able to sign guys to deals, to build a team, which I just, I, I really got a kick out of this. And, and, you know, this really leads like directly in to your article because one of the side effects about extensions getting handed out was just as interesting as which extensions weren't handed out and what right. situations bear keeping an eye on. And this is why I'm glad you wrote this because as much as I like, I'm really bad about trade stuff and I'm glad that you're with us because <laughs> this is really fun to read because you know, sometimes it's hard to do this in the right way, but with, with, you know, you, you turned in an article that was a little bit prescient in that it looks at four real situations that, that the Maverick fans, you know, it's not pipe dream stuff. It's, you know, degrees of difficulty, of course, but these four situations um, are worth really looking at. And I think that we should start with probably the least likely one first and kind of make our way into with what we know now in hindsight and talk about those players. So I'll, I'll let you kick it off. Yeah. So personally, I do think that the least likely is, is DeJounte Murray. I think he's the most valuable ass, but that's just, that's just me. And so feel free to, to push back on any of these. Um, but personally, I think he's the least likely because uh, he's one of the only guards out there right now that, could be acquired via trade um, and in his, is in a situation where he just doesn't fit the timeline. And I kind of talk about that a little bit in the article and how it just, they, with the selection of Josh Primo, a guy who's another big point guard, who's kind of similar to DeJounte Murray and, and from a physical standpoint, who's way, who's only 18 years old. And DeJounte Murray's not old by any means, but there's a seven year difference to them between them, which is a lot. Yeah, of that's a big deal. Yeah, and which is crazy because they're both young. They're both like San Antonio is a young team, but that's a seven-year difference. So um, I think he's someone that's going to draw a lot of attention and get a lot of demand, and and that naturally is going to hike the price. So I don't know that Dallas has necessarily. I, do I think Dallas could put together an offer that's a decent enough offer for him? Yes, I do, which is why I included him in the article. But at the same time, I do think that it's going to be. Uh, kind of a, it's going to be a tricky thing like you mentioned there it's, it's difficult and there are a lot of things that have to go right but one thing that maybe didn't help and I don't think San Antonio not to talk about Ben Simmons because I think we're all over that but with Malcolm Brogdon getting extended 
that takes him out of the running for the Ben Simmons trade uh, in, like, the short term. So, like, that kind of takes another mm-hmm. team off, assuming that Malcolm Brogdon would have been a part of that deal. Uh, so, like, where does that leave San Antonio in there? Because I also mentioned in the article that I don't think that they would make a DeJounte Murray trade until they are officially out of the running for Ben Simmons. Um, but I think DeJounte would be a good, a good pickup for Dallas. Uh, I think he's ready to win now. There mm-hmm. is a little bit of injury history there, but I think it would be a good, good pickup for Dallas. And it'll be interesting to see when he gets moved, because I, I do think it's only a matter of time. Uh, he does like being in San Antonio, but I, I do unfortunately think it's just a matter of time for him. It's, it's frustrating to, to read about in the sense that this is the kind of player where you wish the Mavericks had all available draft picks like right now, because they owe the Knicks, the 2023 pick and a 2024 year old, I would call him like sub all-star like 15 or I'm really 16 points, seven boards and nearly five and a half assists is nothing to scoff at. Like, and he is a, he's a big guy, like six, five, like that's the sort of size that you ultimately want to pair Luca with. We're sitting, we've been sitting here talking about a secondary ball handler, for eons that's a secondary ball handler like that's an mm-hmm. incre- like realistically a primary ball handler that you slot in a secondary role right yeah no it is i think he would be fantastic he's i mean the 610 wingspan like he provides oh. a defensive punch i mean he would he's pretty perfect to be honest with you he's yeah. obviously not the best not the best outside three-point shooter but i don't think that will really matter because he's quick enough to get into the paint uh luca will naturally open things up for him um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, in the 20, not this last season, but the year before that, he did shoot 37% from three, but only on just under two attempts per game. So, like, mm-hmm. kind of take that with a grain of salt. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I would really love to get DeJounte Murray. I really like him as a player. Uh, but I, while I don't think necessarily that he's going to be the Ben Simmons trade, I don't – I think San Antonio is not necessarily – I don't see that happening. Uh, I do think that there are going to be a lot of teams out there that are buyers that are going to try and, and, and take a swing there. Um, but but that could get interesting because it's like, who's going to do it? Who's out there that's in a position to try and make a trade to take them to the next level that doesn't already have a point guard? So maybe that's where Dallas mm-hmm. can find their way in there and say, hey, I mean, how do you feel about Josh Green? Maybe how do you feel about Jalen Brunson? Like, how do you just – and just see yes. what – if there is anything to that. And I also want to say that um, – for anyone that's like, hey, well, when's the last time Dallas made a trade with the Spurs? Like, that's just not something that happened. <laughs> like last year, the Trey Lyles thing like almost happened. There were there was there were conversations being had there. So like, I do think that there's enough of I do a relationship, too. and I and I think that priority number one for San Antonio is how do we set ourselves up best for the long term. And so, whether that's you know picks down the line, someone like Jalen Brunson, someone like Josh Green, whatever it is, I do think that there is enough of a chance for Dallas to maybe get in there and get a deal done. Yeah. I mean, it's, but like we said, this was the least likely of the four. So what's the next one? You know, I actually think the the next least likely is Marvin Bagley really Mm. just because of the fit. I think like I personally am, I, I wouldn't be mad at all if they made a move for Bagley because I don't, I mean, one today we saw he didn't get extended. Right. Uh, and so, like, it's it's a low risk, could be a short term move. So, and I don't think you'd have to give that much up for him. Like, I really don't think so. I all. agree. Jalen Brunson, not going to happen. Like, you're nope. not going to give up something of of substance for Marvin Bagley. And and so, 
that's the type of move that I'm like, okay, yeah, why not? But personally, I don't think Sacramento would love to say, like as much as we're sitting here saying, what did we take away from the 2020 draft? They would be saying, what are we taking away from the 2018 draft? Not only do we no longer have our second overall pick, but we just gave the team the guy or that already has the guy that we should like, you know what I mean? So like, that's a, that's a messy situation. And I don't know that I see that being super likely. Uh, I think the reason I see it being more likely is than DeJounte Murray is just because of the value. Yeah. And it's kind of an opportunity for them to take a move that could have a big upside at a low price, because we, like you said, we don't have a whole lot of assets to work with right now, but the fit is an ideal next to KP and the injury history is not ideal next to KP. So that's, that is, definitely a hurdle there but again if you're Dallas you don't have money you don't have a lot of trade assets you kind of have to get a little bit risky and be willing to yeah. take a gamble so that's kind of why I'm in on it I love it the Kings are not gonna do it like we just have to just no. get that out of the way because it like the yeah. optics for them are 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 just so bad, bad. but at the same time, the optics for having Marvin Bagley on the team are so bad. He, his father, the entire situation is just, it's untenable. He, he has not gotten any better as a player. Luke Walton is an atrocious coach. And, and there's just this, like, it, it's like a series of unfortunate events. And, and he, you know, it's, um, uh, Aminu, uh, Al Farouk Aminu came back on the market today. And and I remember him as a player where he just needed a second chance. And that's yeah. kind of where my brain goes. Now he's, you know, at this point in time, you look at Bagley and it's like, that's probably not possible. It, it, it probably isn't, but I just, he is a one of one athletic figure. Like his second mm-hmm. jump ability reminds me of Sean Marion. And that should speak high praise for people that aren't super familiar with Bagley. He also right. uh, only knows how to use one hand in terms of scoring, but he's, I don't know, man. It's just, you play with like, like I'm just so willing to slot the uh, faulty guys in with Luca because Luca's made like given careers to players who are not very good. Exactly. <laughs> so like, and I, well, I mean, I mean, and he's only 23. So it's like, if it doesn't work out, I mean, somebody's gonna, somebody out there is either yeah. gonna trade for him or you just let him walk. And what did you lose? Maybe two second round picks. Personally, I don't think it takes much more than that. So, like, I mean, two. Maybe, okay. I think I, I think it could take I I I think it could take two second round picks, and I I do actually think it might take someone like Josh Green, depending where you stand on that fence. I don't know. You're gonna have to offer something up in there because they're not just gonna like you said. Sacramento, the optics of that taking two second round picks to essentially mm-hmm. just move off of it. They're never gonna do that. But if you throw Josh Green in there, if you like, there is a chance maybe you get something, maybe you get something going there. But I, I, a first round pick, I don't know that that I don't know yeah. that Dallas would do that because they just don't have an abundance there's of them by any give. means. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah, nothing to so, give. Right. So like, uh, I don't even think at this point, I don't know if they can. They, I don't think that they can anymore uh, do the whole thing where they they now have the twenty five and twenty seven picks to, or can mm. they still do that? I don't think they. I'm not sure. You don't actually, want to do that. Like you don't want to do that now yeah, because you, you're not going to. You, you hold on to that sort of of exactly. ammunition to make, you know, the big push if Luca's very unhappy exactly. in two years. It's exactly. it's very un it's 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 unfortunate. But then that brings us to to what I'm expecting is my favorite pick out of all all of these these players. I don't know. Now that after the news came out, the number one and number two are very close for me. But I'll I'll let you kick it off with with the, the, the next person on your list. 
Yeah, I guess we'll go with PJ Washington before we before we get Ooh. to I think is, is is your favorite because okay. with with the thing with PJ and the reason I put him before this this final guy is because he's another guy that I think the value is going to be there where it's going to be a little bit more a little bit more of a higher hurdle to to jump for for Dallas because uh, Charlotte with PJ Washington they're just kind of in a an interesting spot and like he where does he fall within within those long-term plans. I just don't know their roster. You can tell that they're kind of already starting to try and put pieces together like Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward. These are guys that are not like super young guys that you're like, okay, well, we're just going to take a flyer or just pay them because you have to pay them. Like they're trying to be competitive in the East. They're taking a stealth shot. They really think yeah. they might. There, there's something there, there where they're almost doing what Dallas did in year two, where they're seeing, and I mean year two with Luca and they're doing a right. year two of Lonzo Ball, where they're seeing if they could could be kind of a stealthy candidate out there in the East to make a push for something. Yeah, and it's and it's like I don't blame them. You know, like that's kind of what you want to do. People were criticizing Dallas for not being able to do more with Luca, so like you do want to try and get that going. And so where does that leave PJ? I mean, we talk in the article, I kind of talk about the financial aspect of it, of, of the Miles Bridges, which today, another kind of deciding factor, they opted to not uh, pay Miles Bridges his extension today. Uh, so that was kind of interesting. And, yeah. and after, after this season, PJ's up. So it's like, well, I think Miles, like Miles showed more of a step forward last year than PJ. And Miles is super close with LaMelo. So are you going to, you know, I think that, that he probably has more of a solidified spot there than PJ, but this season, the reason I wanted to include him is because this could be essentially a make or break season for PJ in terms of, are you a part of this core moving forward? And if we see Miles as being not just slightly more valuable, but significantly more valuable than before having to commit all this money to you after we've probably already by this point committed money to miles then yeah we'll probably look at moving you before your dollar amount becomes far a lot hard harder to trade so Mm -hmm. uh that that is where his production at his dollar value plus his upside i think is going to make him a difficult asset to trade for uh he's definitely has more value than than marvin bagley um but yeah it's it's just tricky there so i don't know pj is someone that he is an underrated defender if you're not super familiar with his game um, he's not necessarily like a, an elite shot blocker, but his defense, I mean, he's been complimented for his defensive awareness and kind of just knack for the game does, and, and showing that he does have room to grow there. And, and he's already kind of shown that improvement. That's, that's what I've read. That's a little bit of what I've seen. Uh, and he is a, a DFW native. So I think. Is he really, sort of, where is he? This is, do you know where he went to high school? It's an awful question. I, oh I, God. I, I don't I know where he up. went to high school, but do you want to know? Yeah. Look it up while I tell this story. I actually, so. Back in my glory days, I guess, when I played AAU ball, I used to go to tournaments at, like, some of the main, like, Fieldhouse, the MAC, all these kind of main, uh, these main hubs for all these tur- AAU tournaments, and um, PJ was there. PJ played for a select team, like, it, they were literally called the Boston Celtics, and so I remember him kind of being a, like, a pudgier kid out there, but people knew that he was, like, special. He was, mm-hmm. he was super young at that point, but, like, people knew that, like, okay, this is kind of... Dudes that are that good. 
yeah. no, the, I, I know what you mean. Dudes that are that good stand out like a sore thumb in high school tournaments. Yeah. Like, even if they're not where they're going to be, they just look different. Like, I hate that emoji in that term, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I do know what you mean. So I, I remember seeing him at, at all these tournaments and just kind of being like, oh, yeah, 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 he's a good player. There's another guy, whatever. I was so young. I was I didn't have the basketball sure. kind of perspective that I have now. And so he was there doing his thing, whatever. And then I remember – hearing that he going to these tournaments and hearing that he had committed to Kentucky. And I was like, Oh, so, so this is great deal. where he went to high school. He first, he went to prime prep Academy, <laughs> which was uh, the, the failed high school of uh, neon or neon Dion Sanders. And oh, then no. he went to Fendelay prep Academy, which has uh, since folded. It was a prep Academy based out of uh, Henderson, Nevada. The only reason I know anything about it is I happened to play a pickup game or two there during summer league at one point. Oh my and it's God. like one of these weird, like it was like a bat, like it was a, it was a full on high school, but it was just for basketball players. It was so weird. That's crazy. Anyway. That's crazy. So, so then we have the last person who I, like mm-hmm. I, I squealed when I, cause I, I, I try not to, some pieces I don't edit. I wanted to, but I wanted to get this up when you turned it in because it was just so like timely because you know we're heading into the real key part of of the season and then this person was was on the list so I'll let you go yeah so so with Tomas Sadaransky I that is I would think probably one of the most interesting positions that he now finds himself because he's one of these guys that is incredibly productive on both ends of the floor but it's flying under the radar because I mean he spent some time in Washington then he was in Chicago and then he just got traded in this Lonzo Ball sign-and-trade, and then they signed Devontae Graham, who seems to be like he's going to be kind of the number one point guard moving forward. Like, they committed money to him, and they're kind of moving with that moving forward. And so it's like, Sadaransky, where do you where do you fall in their, their scheme? Also just brought back Josh Hart. So, like, whether that was by choice or not, I don't know. But where does Sadaransky fall into these plans? And so, personally, I don't think that they see him as a part of their long-term plans. And he's the type of guy that, because he's in New Orleans, there's not going to be that many eyes on him. And given the history, it doesn't seem like there haven't been that many. That and, and even in the past, there haven't been that many eyes on him. So he's another guy that I think would be a fantastic fit next to Luca. Uh, he's a solid defensively. Uh, he's he's crafty in the mid range. Uh, he he could be that secondary ball handler next to Luca. He's just he's a guy that I think. Uh, similar to DeJounte Murray and in, in the way that he's the bigger guard that can play on both sides of the ball. Um, and so, and I think he's available. I think this is the most likely scenario because he's available. New Orleans, it kind of seems like they've got no idea what's going on yeah. over there. And so they, I think they might even have a fire sale at some point during the year. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So uh, I think they're going to try to look to switch things up and maybe that's where they're, they're trying to get crafty. I don't know if they, they're more interested in the young guy or trying to get someone that maybe can compete with Zion if he's available. Like, I don't know where their head is at, but that's why it's kind of like, okay, well, then maybe let's just submit this offer and just kind of get some conversations going and see if we can kind of get towards the deal. But, yeah, I think the, it's the perfect blend of him being new on the scene, not being solidified in their long-term plans, and them having so much kind of – chaos seeming to be going on right now in that organization I think makes him a perfect uh trade candidate especially given that he's someone that that we need he's a big he's a big uh he's just a big need for us right now well and and you know I can always 
I don't know. I piss people off when I say this sort of thing. <laughs> but I can always tell when you don't really watch a lot of basketball outside of the Mavericks based off of your opinions on other players, like where people will mm-hmm. scoff about certain dudes. And Tomas Sadoransky is absolutely one of those guys where you're watching yeah. basketball if you're a real, like, kind of grossly addicted hoops head. Because that means mm-hmm. you're watching the Wizards and then you're watching the Bulls. And I'll tell you this. Tomas Sadoransky was both myself and Bobby Corrales like free agency crush. What was it? Two years ago <laughs> when he was yeah. up and we were, I remember we we're, you know, I feel okay sharing this now. Cause it's not like Bobby can do anything with the Mavericks um, uh, because of, you know, it's not like he, he works in the front office, but w- he just fits with Luca. And mm-hmm. I, I saw a comment today in response to your article where someone said, well, you know, I don't know if the fits great because you're taking Jalen Brunson's minutes. Well, I don't know if you are hmm. taking Jalen Brunson's minutes because yeah, Brunson is a scorer. Like, like Tomas is a is a really kind of multifaceted player. Now, that's no knock against Brunson because what Brunson did is is made him kind of made himself like six man of the year eligible. But we're sitting mm-hmm. here talking about how you need more ball handlers. And if if you can get a six seven ball handler who is also pretty dang good at defense who can shoot the ball. Like, I mean, honestly, like this is not a fair comparison to Tomas, but like, I, I think of like Sedoransky is, is if you ran Luka Doncic through a fax machine five times, like he's a fine player. He, <laughs> and he's cheap and it's like relative yep. to Luka. And it's like, well, we want more good players. So if a good player is available, please go get the good player. I, I, I don't know. I, I could be kind of overthinking this to a degree, but that's why I really like that pick because even two years ago, I thought he would fit with where the Mavericks were going because they keep talking about getting the ball out of his hands. And the Mavericks just don't have the kind of players that can really force that issue. Like Tomas can buy them five minutes at a time if he's on the roster. At least that's my, you know, fanboy take. Fanboy, I like it. I mean, he's he's 29 years old, so like maybe he's he's a little bit older than obviously, obviously Luca, but also KP. But like he is ready, he's, He's essentially perfect. He really is perfect to kind of plug into this system. And the thing that I think a lot of people, I continue to kind of see people uh, have what I believe is a misconception. With Jalen Brunson, Jalen Brunson, like, I don't think anybody's taking his minutes because I just don't think he's going to start at any point in this season. Right. And do I think he's good enough to be a starter on some teams? I do. But with this team and with the way it's structured and his ability to come in on a night-to-night basis and provide a punch off the bench – I don't think that they feel a need to start him at any point. So if you bring Sadoransky in uh, or, or any of these other names, but again, Sadoransky being the most likely, um, he would he would plug in just fine. I think he would take a lot of the load off Luka, which would be fantastic down the stretch of the season. Uh, and yeah, he just he's going to be able to find his looks. Like you mentioned, him being able to be effective from outside. Like he play, we mentioned Chicago and Washington. Like that's who are you working with there? But if you're working with Luka, Luca's going to get you open catch and shoot mm-hmm. threes. So I, I truly do think that he would just be a great, a great fit. Obviously I mentioned in the article that yes, uh, Drogic is, is right. He's on the top of everybody's list. And that seems to be like a really easy thing that, okay, why hasn't it happened? Whatever, what, however you feel about that, but you do have to have options. And Sadoransky is a perfect example of someone that is a fit and is cheap and you, the the all the all the things are lining up for the other team's situation to kind of be going wrong. Like all the dominoes seem to kind of be falling against them, and which provides a perfect opportunity for another team. So, 
I think some team is going to get Sadoransky. I don't know who it's going to be, but if I'm Dallas, I'm absolutely jumping all over that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, this has been delightful. Um, <laughs> we've got three days till the season starts. Um, mm-hmm. or is there anything else you're, you're kind of thinking about? Because for those of you who are unfamiliar, mm-hmm. Lauren is doing the yeoman's work of actually attending games for, for Mavs Moneyball this year. She's probably so there are 41 home games. If, if, if we're able to get you to like 25, that sounds like an epic win. Um, but maybe we'll see. So, so is, is there anything you're kind of thinking about leading up into the season? Man, I, I really am kind of just looking at, because I mean, both conferences kind of seem to be wide open. And so, yeah, I mentioned four players that I think could be available and could be targets for Dallas, but there are always others. So uh, I do have kind of an, uh, another another list that I, I do think that maybe at some point I will write another piece on those players. Uh, that I guess that the the majority of that list right now are players that are in situ- still situations that would make them available where they don't fit the timeline or maybe just want out, whatever the case may be. But those players are a little bit older. They're a little bit more win now ready uh, mm-hmm. than some of these younger guys. Um, so what I'm looking at is for some of these teams, which teams this year have incredible whether it's hype or just high expectations or both what teams are going to underperform is chicago not going to be what everyone thinks that they are is new york going to fail miserably? is atlanta going to look not like like was last year a fluke like what's the pressure where where do they stand so i just i'm looking for these kind of middle tier teams even someone like boston is robert like i keep hearing robert williams is the greatest thing since mm-hmm. like fred and like it depends where you feel about that or how you feel about that. And do they look at him as someone that's like, Hey, yeah, like they did expend him. Don't get me wrong. But like, do, do you look at Robert Williams as someone that maybe is worth trading? And so like, I, I, I don't want to be like, Oh, I'm so ready to trade this guy. But like Jalen Brunson could be pretty freaking good for the Celtics. And so Robert Williams, another guy who has like a lot of injury history and that's, that's tough. And he, there are some consistency concerns in terms of like, sometimes he looks, I've, I've heard people say sometimes he gets out there and he looks like, oh my God, this guy is exactly what we've been needing. And then he kind of just, he just can't stay on the floor. So yeah, those are no, the, he hurts himself because so he tries to do, he, he's like Icarus. He, he, he tries to block, you know, he tries to touch the sun and then hurts himself by jumping out of the gym. Yeah. It's, it's really something that I like that. That's yeah. see. And that's the sort of the, you know, it's tough to talk about this sort of stuff because a lot of our fans and Boston Celtics fans are the worst at this, but I've noticed Mavs fans really becoming particularly married to certain players. Look, yeah. if you have a guy like Luca, everything else is secondary and you know, you don't want to crush. Like it's not to say that we don't like Maxi Kleba, Dwight Powell, Dorian Finney Smith, but like, you know, sometimes you got to give to get. And, and that's where, you know, the Mavericks have had the same roster more or less for, for almost four or five years. And why I say same roster, I really mean like rotation pieces, um yeah. and and so that might happen this year we'll see you never know it's a whole new front office yeah i and, and that's that's a big big factor and big key big key part of this is that there's just we don't know who they view as maybe disposable and disposable has such a negative connotation to it but like like you said at some point you're going to have to switch something up do we love these guys Yes. Do they provide more than maybe just what their production is on the floor? It's the locker room, veteran presence, whatever. Yeah, they do. But 
you're, if you want to take that next step and you want to obviously show Luca that we're in a position to eventually get to a point of contention, like you're going to have to make those moves. And if it means combining some of these fan favorites to potentially swing on someone that comes in and really changes, like takes you into that next step, like they're going to do it. They, they have to do it. So yeah. Um, yeah, I try to, I try to keep in mind of like, okay, who, who could potentially get moved that maybe it's, it's not ideal. Maybe they don't want to move on from him. But if I'm if I'm any front office, not Dallas front office or whatever, what is this something that I'm like, this will take me into another category. Like this will this is a move that I have to make and you just you gotta try to take emotions out of it because like we don't even have these relationships with the players they do, but you right. have to also think that their jobs are on the line. This is a business, like you just have to kind of find that middle ground and think about how these things might go. And and so yeah, I do think that either this season or next season we might have to say goodbye to some of those guys. Yeah. Well, this has been everything I had wanted for a random preseason podcast, but we're just getting closer and we're getting more excited to talk about basketball. And so we're going to be here. We're going to be doing stuff during the season. Um, I think, let me see here. Over the next several days, there's going to be at least three posts per day coming to Mavs Moneyball. We have uh, uh, one of our – staffers who is able to contribute every now and again his name is david trink has done a massive breakdown of, of kind of luka Doncic and how he affects teammates part one comes out tomorrow and part two comes out wednesday uh josh bow is writing his last two questions things just kept popping up um and so you know it's we do this for funds so it's not like life or death whether we publish things on an actual schedule but he's grinding out a couple of really long pieces and for those of you who you know josh is probably our most analytical thinker on the site so i recommend checking those out he and i may talk about those posts tomorrow night i have no idea sometimes getting him um on podcasts is uh you know <laughs> it's like hey it's preseason <laughs> he's like leave me alone it's preseason and i'm like i just kind of want to talk about basketball and my wife and dog are sick of hearing about it um but yeah this is this has been fun lauren thank you so much for joining us yes thank you so much for having me always a pleasure okay uh lauren will probably be back on soon enough because she's going to games but the first two games of the season are away games so we're going to see how the mavericks do mm-hmm. uh keep coming to mavsmoneyball.com check your feeds we will be back with a ton of stuff this week everybody enjoy your week